Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome gardeners. Beautiful morning today so far. A little cool, but not a bad start to the day. Um, I didn't freeze during the cold blast. I got close. 34 degrees. I did not touch freezing. Now, I had pretty strong breeze going at the same time, but I stayed above freezing temperatures. Went out yesterday, went to check my veggies. My peppers, they didn't even blink an eye. They are getting big and green, good strong wall construction of them. And uh, I'm hoping they'll start turning red. Tomatoes. Well, these are tomatoes that made it through the summer, unbelievably. And I had a zillion blossoms, and I had quite a few tomatoes forming. Green as grass yet, but they were there getting bigger. So I'm just going to kind of ride them out and see what happens. It doesn't look like we're anywhere near a freeze for at least the next week. So we'll see what a week's worth of great tomato weather will do to get the tomatoes to get bigger and to uh, redden up for me. The peppers are just going to require some time. They're good-sized peppers. They're just really green, and they don't even get sweet till they get good and red. So, got lucky, got some things going yet. Now, have you noticed, I've been seeing a ton of gulf muley in full bloom. I mean, just, oh, the sun comes up around them and shines through them and they are just the prettiest pink they're just going crazy and that includes my gulf muleys i do not provide supplemental water to my muleys none and they made it through they made it through the summer what's more not only did they make it through the summer they're trying Trying really hard right now to bloom. And I think they're doing a good job. They look pretty good. Of course, that throws a curve because I was going to take the flower bed they're in and get rid of all the flowers. I was going to return it back to being turf. It's kind of a pain to mow around it all the time. But I think I'll give them a chance. I think I'll give them a chance to keep going. Um, It really, it really, really looked good. It was great to not have the freeze, but to get that, uh, to get that cold. That actually triggers a lot of things in our plants. Now, I have a loquat that made it through the summer. Actually, it didn't bat an eye. It's still big and full. And I happened to walk by it yesterday. 
And son of a gun, it's got a zillion uh, buds on it. Can't wait till those start blooming. And hopefully, hopefully I can get them to stay on the plant so I can harvest them. Loquats are delicious. They're they're a great they're a great shrub, short, small tree to use for screening. They have a tropical look, and they produce fruit, and they can produce a lot of fruit. But they're tasty. They're pretty nutritious. So can't. Uh, can't cross my fingers enough, hoping that we would get the weather conditions that allows them to set fruit, mature the fruit, and let me harvest it without losing it all to a freeze. Lost it all last year. Lost a lot of the plant last year. All the fruit blossoms were gone. Didn't get any. Um, a couple of years before that, got bucket loads, literally bucket loads of loquats. Hoping to have that kind of year again. And I also noticed this cold snap did wonders for my roses. I've got all kinds of new reddish green leaves coming out. I saw a flower bud forming. When in reality, um, they also didn't receive water. I had a broken water line. So they were a lot tougher than I thought they would be. So far from the summer, I only appear to have lost one plant. And I'm still crossing my fingers that it'll come back. And that was my cedar sage. Those Beautiful, super, super red blossoms. Boy, I'm going to miss that. I'm hoping that I get a late germinate from the seed of it, and maybe it'll come back up. But right now, it is about the only plant that I can confirm I actually lost. I haven't seen it come back yet, and it's disappointing. But considering the kind of weather we had for the summer, can't complain too much because it could be so much worse. So much worse. I have a lot of the trees are dropping their leaves. That's a good sign. They're supposed to. And when I mow, I just mow over them. And they wind up feeding the turf. So that hopefully this spring I'll have a better looking turf or at the very minimum help it recover from the summer heat. That lack of water was just brutal. And those temperatures, I don't want to see those again ever. That was just too much heat for everybody. Not just our plants in the garden, but for us. For the wildlife, for everybody, that was way too hot. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll catch you on the other side. 
This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Whoa. Let's go to the phone. This is Marshall. Marshall, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Uh, I know you had this question maybe a week or so ago, but anyway, I want to ask you again. Uh, I have the opportunity to, to lay down some new uh, St. Augustine grass, and I'm wondering if there's an advantage to doing it now versus waiting until the spring. The only advantage, one of the biggest advantages of doing it now is we have rain in the forecast over the next couple of weeks, which will help because you got to keep that damp so that those roots will sink into the ground you laid it on. It's cooler, so there's not such a demand on the grass anymore for water. That would be the advantage. The disadvantage is that grass is going to go dormant. The roots are still going to be working like crazy to be able to uh, attach themselves to where you laid them out. But the grass will be pretty much brown. I mean, just like it would be in the winter for St. Augustine. So that's kind of the choice you're looking at. If you put it down now, it's not going to stay green for very long. If you put it down in the summer, excuse me, in the spring, you may have issues with water. Remember, when you put down new turf, they kind of want you to water it almost every single day to get it to really attach itself to the ground. Because the longer those roots become on that piece of sod, the better that piece of sod's gonna be. It's gonna have more green growth. It's gonna be fixed to the soil really well. That's really the kind of difference we're talking. Okay, I think I asked my question then. I guess I'll, uh, maybe I'll go ahead and get it down now. I can. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. And if you can bear with it looking dormant, no no loss there. Okay, Jeff, listen. Hey, thanks for helping that on that question, and uh, you have a good day. You too, Marshall. Thanks. Let's go to the phone. This is uh, Joanne. Joanne, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Um, I have, Marshall just reminded me of a third question. Um, I just sent you a picture of this beautiful flower, and I say it is beautiful. It's a blue flower, but it is more invasive than Ruelia, and it is Uh-oh. now taking over my whole garden bed. Can you tell me what it is and maybe a way to eradicate it? Hmm. Yeah, it just it's nice and wavy and it's beautiful, and but the the stem that comes the flower that comes from it is blue. And I've seen it in the spring, but with this weather, my lilies are coming up and and everything else. And yeah. now this is coming up. Yeah, my lilies popped up, too. Fortunately, they were beautiful, so I didn't complain. But, you know, there's a dwarf variety of Ruelia, and I'm kind of wondering if this may be it. It's hard to tell without the flower on it. Okay. 
Um, and the just, flower will be kind of like a, a, a trumpet, like a like a yeah. petunia or something like that. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's not, and I don't have a picture of the spring one because um, I've had Ruelia in the past, and it's a totally different flower. So when they bloom, I'll send you another picture. <laughs> for, yeah, let's look um, at that. And uh, so, to your advantage, there's supposedly the next couple of weeks we have a better chance of rain. Right after it rains, get a garden fork, and you could lift all of this out really easy. With wet soil, stick the fork in, tilt it back, it'll lift the plant right out of the ground. And you could get rid of it that way. Fantastic. Um, my bougainvilleas, my tomatoes look wonderful, like, you, uh, like you've been saying. I covered them and the uncovered. But my bougainvilleas are kind of shriveled. Can I give them a boost? Or uh, they were the only things that were affected by the, the weather. Cut off the dead. Okay. Now, there'll be a bit of a problem with this. When you cut them back, that actually encourages them to put on new growth. So be prepared if we get cold again. And I don't see that happening this week anyway. Um, if we get cold again, you may have to hang them in the garage or something. Yeah, uh, for there. And then, Mar as Marshall reminded me, um, portions of my, my backyard um, turned brown over the summer. Should I just rake up that dead um, grass out of there and then uh, compost it? You can do that. You, you can't. Now, you mean rake up the grass and use the grass as compost? Or no. Or rake up no. the grass and throw, put throw down away. new compost? Yeah, put down new compost. That is a great way to revitalize your lawn, to really bring it back from the abuse it suffered this summer. And this is a good time to do it. For one, it's cooler. It's not so much labor. And number two, with rains coming, which we assume, uh, with rains coming, that'll help leach all of the good components into the soil and get it to be better soil again, to get it to do uh, a, a good spring turf. You don't have to rake hard either. You can just, the stuff that easily comes up, you can rake that away. Okay. And then looking at, I have a hackberry and I have tried to eradicate it. Um, so I've cut it down to the ground. And now instead of one stem, I've got five stems. Can I paint that over and maybe prevent the light from getting to the there that it makes more? Or what can I no, do with are, the, that stupid um, stuff? Those are coming up from the roots. Mm -hmm. Okay. Drill holes into the trunk, about a half-inch drill bit. Drill as many of them right next to each other as you can. Fill those holes with a high nitrogen fertilizer, eight to four cotton seed meal, something like that. Wet it so that it becomes kind of like a mush in each and every one of those holes. That'll rot out the trunk faster, which will get rid of the tree and make it stop putting up shoots. 
and get yourself a good pair of trimmers so that every time you see a shoot come up, you got to cut it flush to the ground. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while, but you will win and you will get rid of the hackberry. Oh, fantastic. I have the... I have one that is right next to my pecan tree, and it's growing right in it. If I drill that, will it affect my pecan tree roots? No, it will not. It'll stay inside the roots of the hackberry. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for your information this morning, and have a great day. Bye-bye. You too, Joanne. Thanks for the call. Uh, Folks, I'm coming up to the bottom of the hour. I need to break for the news. Martin, I see you there. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Beautiful morning so far. Hope to keep it going. Let's go to the phone. This is Martin. Martin, what can I help you with? Hey, uh, just wanted to tell you, Jeff, that... Uh, Lucy Bell and I, my wife, have you on Saturday mornings around the house, and you are like having Christmas music playing in the background. Um, <laughs> everything just seems so so reassuring and safe. And even though we may not listen to every word, you know, we we pick up on something that would apply to us. Um, but you have become the Walter Cronkite of the plant radio world. You're, you're trusting. Um, we believe in you and you're comforting. And we know having you on, everything is going to be all right. Now, you know, Martin, you just aged us. You told everybody how old we are. Cause I actually remember watching Walter. So got to be careful with that one. Uh, and Martin, when you talk about Christmas songs, I want to warn you right now. You do not want to hear me sing. You will be turning that radio off in an uh, in instant if you hear me start singing. Martin, I got to well, tell you, I really appreciate that. That is that is super kind to say, and um, I hope I can keep doing this for you and your wife for. A whole long time. And Central Texas, because that is what you mean to Central Texas. And people around the world that listen uh, listen online, too. Um, we so, used to get so this from guy us from, from you, Australia. We used to have a right? gentleman from Australia who would call us. And so, yeah, we got to say that it was from all around the world. <laughs> from us to you, thank you. Thank you much, Martin. Uh, You have a great day, and thank you for the call. You bet. Thank you, sir. Well, folks, uh, definitely can't complain about starting the day with a call like that. So, um, while I appreciate Martin's assurances that he thinks that, you know, I'm telling him the truth every time. I will be the first to tell you. I will admit it. And I will try to correct it if I'm wrong. And part of the problem is 
Sometimes the things we do are rote, meaning, oh, it's this kind of plant, and you're asking this kind of question, that means it should be this kind of answer. Well, there's only some billion-plus species of plants, and it doesn't take much to find the oddball, the one that goes, oh, but I don't No, 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 no. I don't want any phosphorus, even though I produce fruit. Or one that says, oh, you want me to be good and green? Do not give me nitrogen. There's plenty of oddballs out there. The best I can do for you all is try to make sure, uh, is try to make sure, not so much that I'm telling you is right, but to identify when I've told you something wrong, when, when the science is changed, when the, the plants are changing, things like that. So I appreciate you having faith in me, but I do not guarantee by any stretch that everything I say is right. I can, <clears throat> I can guarantee, though, uh, I can guarantee, though, that if I screw something up, I will definitely stand up and say, nope, I was wrong. This is, this is the wrong answer I gave you. I definitely do not want to be doing that. Um, I, most of us who are gardeners, you, you just really take for granted some of the silliest things. If you've never gardened before, heck, I don't even have to make it that difficult. If you've never gardened in central Texas, like if you were a Yankee um, and you come down here to Texas, everything is different. The plants you can plant, when they need to be planted, all those things are different. So a lot of people, you you got to be patient and you got to help. Um, had a, it didn't start out very pleasant, but it turned out to become very pleasant. Conversation with a woman one day who came in for help and she was looking at the plants we had and she said, well, those are not right. You should be planting cauliflower, I think, was the plant. Now, this was May time frame. We don't plant cauliflower in Texas at this time of the year. Where she was from, they did. And we had a nice, it was very pleasant it was awakening for both of us because she told us things that we hadn't expected. But something as simple as, I don't live here and now I'm going to garden. Whoa. That almost always requires an extra help, a little bit of help. So be patient with folks. Let them know. Let's all work from the same plan to see what's going on. Hmm. 
This is an excellent one because we also do not garden simply in the ground. Lots of people garden in containers. Well, that brings up a question. What do you do when the plants are done for the year? What do you do with that soil? Well, you do not want to plant the same plant in the same soil multiple seasons in a row. It'll build up disease. And it'll get harder and harder to treat till it reaches the point you can't grow in the container anymore. How do you fix that? One thing you can do is if you can dump the soil out, I know, work, and like put down a tarp, dump the soil on the tarp, then cover the tarp with a second one. Dampen the soil, cover it with these two tarps, and what'll happen is the soil will get heated up. It's the greenhouse effect. It's what will raise the temperature of that soil. And by putting the tarp underneath, it means you don't have anything really significant significant to clean up. You just lift the tarp and refill your pots. But you cover them and let them cook for about eight weeks. And surprisingly, even in the coldest weather, they can heat up pretty good. You want a dark tarp. That blue tarp is fine, dark color is fine. They'll gather heat, they'll pasteurize the soil if there's any disease in it, and it will sterilize any weed seeds that may be in it. You have no maintenance to do other than to make sure the tarps don't blow away. But after about eight weeks or so, or do it now and just wait till spring to use it, that will clean up all that soil, and you can put it back in pots and and plant again. Maybe you add a little compost when you add it back to richen that soil, but that's one way that you don't have to keep buying new soil every time for every new pot. If you've got the time, solarizing is a great way to clean up used soil. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, okay. I get it. I get it. Um, Someone commented. um, Someone commented that no one would actually claim to be a Yankee around here, or at least no self-respecting Yankee would admit it. Yeah, I get that one. I get that one. Um, look at it this way Yankees had to really take a beating 
to figure out how to garden down here compared to where they came from. So stuff grows where I come from as a Yankee. It's really amazing. I haven't had that kind of luck down here, but that's our choices. Um, let's look here. Question about, um, a question about, quote, Bermuda grass. Um, someone texted and said, hey, look, I aerated, I uh, applied compost. What do I do now? Well, Bermuda wants roughly an inch of water a week. So if you're getting rain and you're you're uh, getting about an inch a week, in this cooler temperature, that will be more than enough. So if you're getting that kind of rain, you shouldn't need your sprinklers. You will see as the temperatures get colder, the Bermuda will get browner. Bermuda doesn't uh, stay green throughout the year. None of our turf grasses do. All of them go dormant during the cold weather. So don't be surprised by that. But the more you treat the grass with everything it needs, you really take care and provide it with the things, the environment it needs, it will look fantastic for you. Let's go to the phone. This is Scott. Scott, what can I help you with? Good morning. Um, I have my questions uh, also have to do with issues around dormancy uh, with uh, large indoor plants like ficus trees and how often would it be appropriate to be adding seaweed at this time or uh, any other uh, fish meal or other things, or should I just be just adding water and then how frequently? You know, you will never, you'll never hurt it. You will never hurt it. Providing seaweed. Could you say that again, please? You will never hurt the plants by applying seaweed. Do not overdo it. Follow the instructions for the amount of seaweed and water you mix together. But once a month, when you do need to water them, applying seaweed would be absolutely great for them. Another thing that you can apply, you can top dress the pot with about a quarter inch to a half an inch thick layer of worm castings. You might do worm, that. I'm worm. Sorry, worm casting? I've never heard of the word. Yeah, it's a polite word for worm poop. Worm casting. Okay. Yeah. You can purchase worm castings at your local nursery. Um, most of the ones that I know of carry it. And it is a really weak fertilizer, but it's full of micronutrients and minerals, things that the plant normally would get if it was planted outside in the ground, but can't get in a container. 
You could do that maybe twice a year. Um, they're not expensive. They do not smell bad. And your plants will absolutely love them. So worm casting twice a year, seaweed once a month. And would the worm casting be the equivalent of some sort of fish meal? Yeah, you know, the problem with fish meal is you tend to provide more nitrogen than the plant really needs. It depends on the kind of plant you're fertilizing. The uh, earthworm castings have a given amount of nitrogen in them, and it's less likely to over-fertilize the plant. So it's a gentle way to get at the things it wants. Okay. A, a corollary question, uh, when I'm watering and I water once a week, I notice that there's one section of the soil that continues to stay moist while everything else is bone dry. In the winter months, would you change how I was watering? Yeah, I would make sure that you're going from a wet to a dry cycle. Indoor plants don't by default need water all the time, but you you, you do want to be consistent. You know, give them a good soaking that you're sure gets the entire container wet. Let it drain out till it's almost completely dry. Water again. Now, the problem with only part of the pot stays wet and the other part dries out, that could be an issue with the soil, meaning it's a little oil, old, excuse me. And maybe it needs to be, you know, take the plant out of the pot rough up the soil, take out the bad stuff, put fresh potting soil in there and put your plant back in. I don't know if that's because of roots, because of the age of the soil or something like that, but the soil should get uniformly wet, not just one particular area always staying wet. And do you happen to have any sites that you can recommend to be able to get the uh, pots that are not the heavy ceramics, because we're talking about 10 feet ficus trees. So if I was to replant something like that, price points have been so exorbitant in the, in the stores in town. Is there a better site to take a look at for better pricing? There's a way you can kind of cheat. You can get a large nursery pot one of those black flexible ones that most of us wind up throwing away, they go up to like 30 gallons. And you can set that pot inside, inside the container you want. That way it looks nice on the outside, but you didn't have to put out a lot of bucks to plant the plant. Scott, uh, I'm up against a break for the news at thank the you. top of the hour. Um, thank you much for the call. I hope I helped. Folks, I will catch everybody on the other side. 